The greatest mark of a Christian is love. The greatest mark of those who walk in the light is that we love. And so why love? What kind of love? And how do we love? Those are the three things I'll be talking about today. Why love? What kind of love? And lastly, I think most practically, how do we love? Because I fail at being a loving person seven days a week. So what's our source? So let's dig into that. First is, why is love the greatest mark of a Christian? So for you and me, for the church, for the world, if they say, I don't believe in God, uh, Christians are weird people, the one thing that would shut the mouth of skeptics and cynics is that there is genuine love pouring out from each of us. Um, How many of you, I watch these YouTube videos of animals, and there's one video, a man is, walks into a cage. The lion is running up to him. And the lion pounces on him. And it licks him and starts crying. The lion used to be a cub, and this man rescued him. The lion remembers his rescuer from childhood. He lost his mom, so this man raised the cub to adulthood, and you can't tame wild animals, but this video of this lion weeping and hugging and licking this man, and the guy's like, okay, 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 okay. How do you tame a wild animal? It was love, care. And so, do I recommend all of us do that to get a pet lion? No. But what you see is a phenomenon where even the wildest uncontrollable animals can be transformed by love. And so why is love our greatest asset or for Christians? We have been given the greatest form of love by God the Father. And the church said, amen. That's, we received that. So 1 John 3, 1 and 2, this wasn't read today, but just a few verses before, John writes, see, it's a command, look, what kind of love the Father has given to us. This is Christianity. See, religion says you need to love harder. You need to start worshiping God more. Christianity begins with God. Look at the love that God has given to us. Christianity is that God came after us sinners, wild, untamed, blind creatures, living life our own way, going into judgment and condemnation to hell, and God enters into that and pours love to rescue us. So what happened? That we should be called children of God. This love was given to us, Father's love, given to us. Now we have become children of God. We are like that lion. When somebody grabs a hold of us, cares for us, opens our eyes to see oh my goodness, you are making me whom, who I was meant to be. We fall in love with God. So today, even now, as you worship God, don't worship God because you're obligated to. Go back to that first love. You've received God's love. Some of you may not even be Christians, and I want to say you too have a reason to worship God because there's this thing theologians call called common grace. And common grace simply means this. Even to those who will reject God, God shows his favor and pours out his 
graces even to sinners, wicked people. Sometimes they have nice jobs. Sometimes they have nice houses. For some reason, they have good health. Does that mean God really encourages them to live that way? No, he's showing common grace. So each of us has a moment to step back and say, thank you, God, for everything I have. But for the Christian, we have what's called, theologians call special grace, which is specifically God's love given to us through Jesus Christ. Now, John goes into this, and he says there's different kinds of loves, and he uses Cain. You remember Cain? He had a brother named Abel. They both gave offering to God, and God said, Cain, you didn't give me your best. And Abel, he took his offering. So Cain got really jealous, and then God says to him, stop, Cain. Your, your sin is crouching at your door. You need, to, you need to not be jealous. And then Cain ends up killing his brother. And so John uses his contrast in verse 12, and he says, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Now, what's John doing? He's contrasting not Cain and Abel. He's contrasting Cain to who? Jesus. So Cain was hated. He hated. He was evil and selfish, and he murdered Contrast that with Jesus. Jesus loved. Jesus was sinless. And Jesus didn't murder. He does the opposite. He dies and gives himself up for sinners. That's love. And so 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it reads, We love. Why do we love? Why is love our mark? Because he first loved us. Can we say that together? We love because he first loved us. That's the whole basis of Christianity. Why do you love God? Why do you love God? Because, oh, because I'm a joyful, sentimental, emotional person. No. The source of your love is the response of something outside of us poured in, and that's God's love. Now, let me just try this harder. This week, just think about all the things you're embarrassed about, ashamed of, you regret, you wish you could change back. Now everyone, just write, write it all out and give it to me so I know your sins. That was a joke. Uh, but just this week, there are things that I am ashamed of, that I failed at as a husband, father, man, just anything. And what I go back to is not, boy, I got to try harder. First step is, even for that God, you love me. I don't understand it. You love me. That is the first step of transforming this monster or this incomplete, unsanctified side. It's not fear for you to try harder. It's, and yet Jesus Christ died for this. Hallelujah. We love because he first loved us. Now, this guy's been in the news. I love him because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, his name is Deion Sanders, and he's been in the news everywhere because he's coaching Colorado uh, University. And they went from 1-11 to 3-2 and two now, but they almost beat USC yesterday, which is, that was a, was a great game. But Deion Sanders, if you know his backstory, he was a Super Bowl, Pro Bowl. He played Major League Baseball, only player to play World Series and the Super Bowl. This guy was a phenom. 
He tried everything, won the Super Bowl, and he tried to commit suicide because after winning the Super Bowl, he felt emptier. This did not satisfy. He cried out to God, I give it up to you. And this is his quote. And so now, the way he coaches, by the way, he doesn't coach. He says, they're my sons. These are young men. I don't want them to just win in football. I want them to be great husbands, fathers. I want them to be great character people. And the reason for that is he was so transformed by God's love. And this is his quote. Out of all the persons in the world, God chose me. For that, I thank him. For that, I love him. For that, I magnify him. What changed Dion? A fear of hell? A fear of damnation? Complete, no, complete brokenness and realizing God chose him even then. And so Dion is this new man, and the way he coaches is, is fun to watch. So why do we love? The first mark of a Christian, we love because God first loved us. That takes us to the what. What, what is this love? And I just want to say this. Love is action. Can you say that? Love is action. And so John says in verse 17 and 18, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. For John, um, there's an action in love. Now, there are certainly ways that words can be loving, like, I love you. You are precious to me. So that's an action that can really fill the, with words. But what he's going to say is, like, we need love to be more than that because what God did wasn't just to say to the world, I love you. He showed the world, I love you, by saying, take my son, and you will nail him to the tree. And as he dies for your sins and rises again, that is love. And so by this we know what love is. Verse 6, 316 of 1 John, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. The love of God is always connected with the activity of the cross. Now, God's love was not from afar. He's like, I love you. I love you. Some people are very uh, wordy. I'm a love language is word, so I say I love you a lot. And then my wife correctly said, you know, you say that so much. I, it like doesn't, it kind of loses its meaning. And I'm like, I know, sorry. So what her love language is, service. So when I do the dishes and I say, hey, hey, babe. I don't call her babe. She hates that. I'm going to take care of the dinner tonight. She's like, love. So for so some people, I think this is what Jesus is saying. Love was not just God saying, I love you. He was doing love. This is how we know what love is. What is love? That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Wow. So love is an action. Uh, William Temple speaks to the church and says, you need to be loving, and love is an action. And this is what he says. The church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. Wow. The church is the only organization that does not exist for its members. Because the assumption is we take care of each other. That's given. But we exist for God. And then we exist for 
the lost, the hurting. So the church does not exist. So, what, you know, I'm finding out as I talk to a lot of churches, they want a pastor. Churches looking for a new pastor. Guess what they really want? We want a pastor who will take care of me. Jesus would say, I want you to be a church that is shepherded so you are equipped and sent out to minister the gospel with action in love. This is love. It's not a wording. It's, it's an action. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer similarly says, every moment and every situation challenges us to action and to obedience. We have literally no time to sit down and ask ourselves whether so-and-so is our neighbor or not. We must get into action and obey. We must behave like a neighbor to them. Now, here's something we learn about that. Love is not a feeling. Isn't it true, parents, family members, if you had siblings, you don't always feel love for your family member, but you still treat them like a family member. And sometimes as you treat them like a family member, the love comes back. In fact, the famous story of a husband and wife struggling, and they go to a therapist, counselor, and then the, it was a husband's turn. Husband's like, I can't, oh no, it was wife's turn, and she said, I can't love him. He's such a monster. I, I just, I'm, I'm fed up. And he said, try this for two weeks and come back to me. Serve him like you loved him. Speak to him as if you loved him. Just, just humor me. And do the things that you would normally do as if you loved him. And tell me what happens. Time passes. She comes back and she said, oh my goodness, our relationship is completely different. As I started doing that, I started feeling that. As, we started, as I started talking to him in love, even though I didn't love him, he reciprocated with love. And so if you look at the Bible definition of love, it's never out of a feeling of love. It's a devotion and decision to love. And then the feelings follow. That's a great advice for all the family members struggling. Serve and do as if you loved. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer is saying the same thing. And so John says, if anyone says, I love God, this is, this is the, my disease just says, says things. I love God. But then in their activity, hates his brother. He is a liar. So what John is saying here consistently is love is not simply just lip service. If you say, I love God, I love God, and then we talked about this last week, we go to the cafeteria, we go home, and we start gossiping and trashing everybody. We start tearing down our, our, our ex, exes or neighbors, and but we just came back from worshiping how great thou art. There's something that we need conviction for. And John is saying, love has to match in action what we also say. And so to verify the words that we do say about love for God, we want to get to a place where are we loving our neighbors, starting with the people around us. So what kind of love is this? It's a hard, sacrificial activity. It's a decision. Uh, I, I always laugh when weddings use 1 Corinthians 13. It's so like love is patient, love is kind. Oh, yes, that's, that's my love, and we love each other so much. Wait till seven-year itch. How patient are you? 
How, how kind are you? And so Paul's comment is not, you'll feel love. The comment is, you won't feel patient. You do not want to be kind. But will you make the sacrificial choice out of love to serve your spouse in a painful way? That's love. And so 1 Corinthians 13 was written to fighting churches. And we hear it again here. Love is not an emotion. It's a decision. That's a good one. Love is not an emotion. It's a decision. Austin, you like that? I like that. I like that too. All right. Lastly, uh, so we know the why we love because we first, God first loved us. We know the what. It's an action. It's got to be a response. It can't be just lip service. So how? How do we love this? And this is going to get harder. As I read 1 John 3 and chapter 3 and chapter 4, it describes not just mere action. It describes uh, sacrificial action. Love is always going to be costly. If you read, go home. That's why you have a bulletin. If you read it, it's not just love. Like high school kids are like, I love my friends. Uh, real love has sacrifice. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love that somebody died to save you. His name is Jesus. 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us. How? By sending his son to die as a propitiation for our sins. Our sins, we don't want to sin anymore, not because it's bad, but because Jesus died for our sins. Why would I want him to just make a mockery of that by sinning? The motivation is make me holy. C.S. Lewis writes this in Mere Christianity. Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do, we find out this great secret. When you are behaving as you love someone, you will pre presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. Now that ties in with the previous comment that just acted and that emotions follow. But when you read what C.S. Lewis is saying here is, that's not easy. So this kind of love that God is calling us to do is sacrificial. In fact, I would almost argue it's not true love unless sacrifice is a given and joyfully given over. I asked Kathy this week, I was like, hey, honey, uh, obviously she loves all three kids. What did you give up to have these three kids? And she spit it out right away. <laughs> As if she was thinking about it. Um, I had to take my step back from loving teaching. I had to give up my plans to travel the world because they were in so much attention. And then for men, we have to be aware there were some like body changes and she had to give up her body. And so would she ever take it back? And the answer is not a chance. For her, like I love my kids. So it wasn't easy, it was sacrificial, and in this world, every love will be costly. Every, every time you have a best friend where there's no cost, it's probably a shallow relationship. But if you want to understand marriage, 
It's not two people loving each other more. It's, I think biblically, it's one person dying to himself and herself for the other. And that's how two become one. It's the dying to your dreams and hopes sometimes so the other could be lifted up. Now, who does that sound like? That's what Jesus did. And so um, there's a story the pastor gave that just really was simple but moved me. And he said that one day he took his two little toddlers to the mall. And then they had a petting zoo. And back then it was cheap, so he gave each of them a quarter. And the kids ran off, and he was just watching them. And then to his shock, the daughter came back while his son is having a blast with the goats and the rabbits. And then she's like, Dad, it's okay. I didn't need to go in there. What happened? The petting zoo was 50 cents. So I gave little Joey my quarter. And she sat next to him, and she said, because our motto of our family, Dad, is love is action. That's what he instilled in them. Now, this is the part that gets me. Inside his pocket, burning a hole in his pants were 50 cents. He could have just simply said, here you go, honey. Great job. What a great sister you are. You enjoy it too. He refused to do that. Because, let me read it, his words. It's not just love is action. Is action. It's love is sacrificial action. Love always pays a price. Love always costs something. Love is expensive. When you love, benefits accrue to another's account. Love is for you, not for me. Love gives. It doesn't grab. Helen, his daughter, gave her quarter to Brandon and wanted to follow through with her lesson. She was itching, but she wanted to make this a sacrifice of love. She knew she had to taste the sacrifice. She wanted to experience that total family motto, love is sacrificial action. I thought that was wise of the father. If I'm going to take the step to make a decision to sacrificially give to Brandon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in this because love hurts sometimes. Now, in modern day, we're like, oh, we, we don't want you to hurt. We don't want you to hurt. Oh, don't get hurt. I, I want you to be happy. I think we take away the depth of teaching what genuine love is. And this father did that. So John is teaching us in 1 John 3 and 4 about Jesus. Love is not just action, although it is action. It's sacrificial action. And I do wonder if the people today are so unhappy because they don't understand that. They want the cake and eat it too. I want to love you, you love me, and we're all happy. But true love is like parents leaving a country that they can't, to a country they can't even speak the language. And they're treated like, like fools and idiots and dummies. And they're made fun of because they can't speak the language. And they're raising their children to give them a hope. I see that in my parents. What was it? Sacrificial love to come to a new land so their kids could have a better future. And I never took that for granted as they worked at a factory and a dry cleaner, 100 degrees in the summer, pressing pants. And what I needed to see growing up was, I need to see that so I understand love. It's not just everyone's happy. Love has to have a cost at times. And so power of these things, how do we do it? Let me challenge us. 
Sometimes we don't take the step of love because we're like, it's too inconvenient. It's too uncomfortable. But friends, say amen if this is true. Love will almost always take you out of your comfort zones. Love will almost always take you out of your comfort zones. And so we have blessing bags. We have love la mirada. Um, I'm going to say this to us um, and people. You know why you need to go to church every Sunday? Well, God doesn't keep attendance. You know, I, I don't go to church to become a Christian. I'm a Christian by Christ alone. I could do spiritual life. You're missing a big piece. And here's the big piece. And I'm not trying to shame people who don't go to church every Sunday. But here's why I go. Here's why my understanding of the gospel. I don't go because I have to go. And I do have a spiritual life. And I'm going to go to heaven because Christ is my Savior. But here's why I go to church every Sunday. It's the one easy opportunity to serve somebody else that day. And some people come here hurting, broken, needing mentors. And so I go to church. It's the one place where I covenant to to say, how can I serve you today? And so if it's not just a worship service, it's not the music or the sermon, we go to sacrificially give ourselves to others. What does that do? That's love. That's the love that Christ calls for us. So why do we love? What is love and how do we love? How do we love? We love sacrificially. And let me end with this final um, story. A medieval monk announced he'll be preaching on the love of God the following Sunday. Everybody came. They wanted to hear this sermon. As the night fell, as the evening worship, darkness came, and it was almost pitch black. The monk lit a candle and carried it to the crucifix. First of all, he illumined the crowns of the thorns. Next, the two hands with the marks of the and then the marks of the spear. So from the darkness you see the cross of Christ. He blows out the candle and he left the chancel. There was nothing else to say. That was the sermon. What is love? God loved us first. God gave himself for us in action. And God gave himself to us sacrificially. And John's message to us is Love like that. Love like Jesus. And not only love like Jesus, see how it changes our whole outlook on the world. Let's meditate on that. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're about to receive this communion and we ask that you would get, help us to examine our own hearts realizing that we probably could have lived this past week a little better and we probably are going to stumble into the future but the first mark lord god we're going to go to is that you have loved us and even when we stumble you will continue to love us and knowing we would stumble you gave your son Lord, help us to take these elements with thanksgiving, with joy, with gratitude. As we savor the love that was given to us with the body broken and the blood shed. 
And may that love hold us together and transform us so that we could live out this love as those who have tasted and seen what true love is. And God, next week we're going to talk about the love of the world. And it's so fleeting and so shallow compared to the true love we see in your son Jesus Christ on the cross. And so, God, we pray that CPCLM will be filled with people who are such lovers of you and lovers of the people around them that people's doubts will be doubted, that people's faithlessness will be replaced with faith. May our words of gospel and our actions of love be displayed for your glory and for your praise and for your continuing work to redeem the neighbors around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.